0: The Seeds You Sow podcast, planting seeds of applied knowledge, strategic change, and unstoppable passion. Coming to you live. What's up, everybody? This is the Seeds You Sow podcast, coming to you live, (laughs) KUSF.org. Yes, we're in the studio. Got Ashley to my right over here.
1: Hey, people. Happy Sunday.
0: (laughs) Sunday. And of course, we got Deacon Mike over here to the left. What's going on? I was always doing the black man voice. Hey you always <laughs> doing it? What's going on?
1: Oh, we're gonna talk about today. What is a black man's voice? Ooh, oh. <laughs> it's a. Uh, black man. It's, it's what I got.
0: <laughs> now you're saying like you you sounding unsure about your black man voice. Uh-huh. No, you know you know you got the blackest man voice ever. Asia Jackson confirmed that for you last year. Shout out Asia. <laughs> 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 so if he got the black man voice. Do we have the black woman voice?
1: Um. I'm a black woman, so
0: I'm one of the voices of a black woman, yeah. I like that, because there's many voices to how we sound. And I think, I don't know, like, all of us here, like, I don't know, I have moments where I'm like, yeah, and I have other moments when I'm like, yes, I know, Um, feeling, feeling very reflexive and thoughtful, and yes. Don't y'all feel like y'all have ranges like that, too? No. Do you have ranges like that? I think I have. Oh, I don't have ranges? <laughs>
1: you have tons I, of ranges. I'm like, oh, yeah. I've <laughs> always. Michael <laughs> said this week, he was like, you know when I should be like, hey. I'm like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, I can hear her say it right now.
2: That's what I'm saying. My only range I know for you is, like, turned up.
1: Like,
0: hi. I could turn it down, though. I was actually listening to our episodes, and I'm realizing how loud I sound. So I'm going to make an effort to kind of tone it down just a little bit, if I can, if I can. But anyway, we're in the studio. It's Sunday. It's July 1st. We're feeling excited. We're feeling great. Got a hot, amazing show that Deacon Mike is gonna be leading on today. Deacon Mike, tell the listeners, what is the seed of the day?
2: So, ladies and gentlemen (laughs) of the jury, (laughs) uh,
0: the seed of the day. (laughs) Wasn't that in July? Damn. Okay, sorry. Um, I digress.
2: (laughs) The seed of the day, and what we're gonna be talking about today is um, basically answering, is being professional selling out Ooh, and um, I'm about to I'm about to transition out of uh, my, my role at, at college track in, in education and hopefully sooner than later be moving into like uh, the business world or the tech industry and because I'm uh, making this transition it made me think of the idea of like when I'm in college track I can be authentically me mm-hmm. everybody knows me well enough everybody is comfortable with me so I don't have to have any mask on but as I move into this new industry, am I going to then have to go and put a mask back on mm. to get to where I want to be within this this industry, right? So um, I often wonder if it's possible to become a CEO of a company that I didn't start and be able to act authentically black. Mm. So today we'll be having a conversation about what that means, about how it is when um, you are quote-unquote professional, but then you come home and come home to maybe family members or friends that are saying you're selling out because of it, Um, and all the other questions and layers that come within um, being a black person and being professional in this life.
0: Yeah, I'm super excited to talk about this, because it's interesting, because even in today's modern age, 2018, as far as we're going, we still have to think about what it means to be professional in certain Work environments, as you had already stated. So, mm-hmm. this should be a very well rounded, engaging conversation with a lot of different layers and a lot of different opinions. And we hope for you guys listening, have you guys thinking about, okay, so how do I navigate this professional world? But before we hop into our seed of the day, you guys know we always got to take a stroll through our garden, a stroll through our garden, a stroll through our garden. Uh oh, Ashley over here popping, y'all. <laughs> she got moves, y'all. Y'all don't even know about it. She be out here like, yeah, yeah, get it, get it. Run that
1: time in Vegas? I do. And so we're going on vacation. I'm going on vacation this week, y'all. And I'm just in a good spirit because I need a break from work. Okay. I have a last couple of things to do this evening. And then hopefully I'm signing off unless there's some emergency text messages.
0: Yes. You know.
2: Which you know you will get. Yeah.
0: But you know what, though? Allow yourself to just unplug.
1: It, it, you know what? I'm not even of... bringing my computer with me, which is a big step. Which yes. means I have to log on to my sister's computer if I really need to do something. That's good.
0: Uh, yeah. I'm proud of you, Ashley. And I. we need to all just take a moment. You know, we're always going. We're always doing something. But you have to just unplug. You have to allow yourself just to enjoy life. I can tell you're going into vacation mode. I no,
1: am but I'm really, <laughs> I really need to, like... Turn up, y'all! I need to be ratchet. I just, I need to be. I should knows Vegas splashy. I need to rent another table. I need to dance on top of the yeah. table. Like I'm missing that type of. I need that kind of vacation, honestly. And it's not going to be that, wow. but it's coming.
0: Rewind, everybody. Rewind. Ashley, just I just need to dance on top of a table. <laughs> I do. Yeah.
1: I don't get that side of me enough. Like I enjoy turning up, but yeah. like twice, two three, two two three times a year. Yeah. We're
0: multidimensional it. beings. We're professionals. We get work done. We read our books. We pay our t- Access. we get back to the community but every now and again sometimes you want to play some big Sean and maybe sometimes you just want to look back at it look back at it is that Trina sorry I, yeah, know, I know I real out of pocket I'm
1: sorry <laughs>
0: what is y'all go to ratchet song go to ratchet song yeah I, I know what my go to ratchet right now is
1: Turn it on for the nine nines or the two thousand. Uh, that one, <laughs> back that ass up. Yeah, yes! that's like a classic. You cannot like. Go
0: that's like, how
2: yeah. That. That's a lot of people's go-to ratchet.
0: Huh? Oh, oh, you guys mean like I'm thinking like right now, just in general. Oh, like right what's now, out. I didn't, I didn't take it as like overall, but that isn't okay. But yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> right now, my go-to. Right, I'm really liking the Carters' ape shit like, right now, currently. And it's a mixture mm. of ratchet and also consciousness, because that's them, and mm. it's also me. So I think that's where I'm at right now, like, when I want to turn up. But I always will turn on Future mm. or Drake. Mm-hmm. What's your go-to ratchet? Um, I don't know. Michael doesn't have a go-to ratchet, y'all. Because he was playing Anita Baker while we was driving up here. No, I got a ratchet. <laughs> is, it because you're, is it because you're half white? Oh, no. oh, no. Oh,
0: do you mess you know,
2: uh, I'm feeling too good. My ratchetness is there. It's just on the low.
0: Well, okay, then just, can you give us a hint? Um,
2: you ain't got
0: to put it all out
2: there. I'm going to say that right now, me and Ashley been talking about this song a lot. Um, yes, Indeed by Lil Baby and Drake. <sighs>
1: yeah, sorry. That is go-to ratchet. Mm. I'm going to play it for you. Aisha will be yeah. back in the car. Okay. It's real right.
2: It's, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a dope song.
1: Okay, okay. You can work out to it. Oh, okay. I've noticed
0: that my go to ratchet at times seems to be inappropriate kind of music.
1: Okay, go <laughs> ahead. Share <Cheer> more. That's-
0: <laughs> it's not like the go to, like, yeah, I'm in the club. It's more like that, ooh, do you really just say that? Because <laughs> <laughs> it was like a few, no, it was back in May and I was out with my cousins and stuff and I heard that Big Sean song. Like, I think it's called, like, Is It So Good or Yeah, You Would. <sniffs> that... Yeah, I would. I'm not gonna say everything that okay. you know what I'm talking about. I know what song you're talking about? Yeah. yeah,
1: explicit lyrics. Very, very TVMA.
0: Yeah, TVMA <laughs> and other probably letters. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like a, I, I I like go to ratchet music like that. So you know, I'm like has a nice beat you know mm-hmm. it's like okay I wouldn't play this around my parents or my right. children I'll never forget that time at college track at one of the parties and the kids were like yeah play down in the DM and I was like oh what is that and I played it and I said oh no we're not playing that <laughs> and then as soon as I got home I was like good has <laughs> go down in the DM <laughs> when the kids put you that on is song.
2: so funny oh, I mean you know God. it's like
0: that you know it's like you're too young to listen to that but
1: Whatever we grown, so That's I mean I don't funny. know. It <laughs> makes me think about since we're you know you know walking through the garden, strolling through the garden. The BET Awards was last week, oh. and that to me was a. Uh, a display of Black's excellence, but also Black variety because you had Anita Baker getting the Lifetime Achievement Award. Deborah Lee stepped down as CEO, which is amazing and also so mm-hmm. in- inspirational as a Black woman to watch another Black woman step down from a television company that was made for us by us. Mm. Um, and then you got Migos, Walking <laughs> Like I Talk It, Stir Fry. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a different time and moments where Jamie Foxx just gives love to J. Cole and Danny Glover for their unapologetically Blackness and social consciousness. Mm. Um, there's just so many. And for me, watching that was like, these. this is the multi-variety of black people at our yes, best. Yes, yes. Um, because I'm looking, and I'm like, everybody turning up to like, oh, YG, and then Big Bang, Take a Little Bank, which is Big Sean's on that song. You got Snoop Dogg dancing, Crip walking. Yeah. However... You have Deborah Lee and you have Anita Baker there and you have a lot of old school people there. And so the mix of old and new and of R&B and of hip hop and of rap and of like this entertainment company that was for black people by black people. Mm. It was extremely inspirational. And it also just shows that, like, we are not just one type of black. No. And
0: I love that. And we were talking about that in the car. Like, we as a people, there's layers to who we are. There's multiple voices to who we are. And we shouldn't have to just fit into one Box and we should be able to express ourselves in multi-dimensional type of facets like that. And one thing that I'm gonna say about BET I'm hoping over time I don't know if this is before y'all time or whatever. Cause You know, I'm a little seasoned saint up in here. You know, I'm, I'm the yeah. seasoned one, y'all. <laughs> 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 going to be 34, you know, this September. <laughs> um, do y'all remember like when BET wasn't just reality shows? Like, it actually had Teen Summit, Heart and Soul. It used to be like good movies. It used to be more kind of engaging. Because mm-hmm. as we know, who owns BET isn't black people at the current moment. Yeah. Um, so i'm hoping over time it can kind of get back to what it was like in the early 90s where it showed More of those like multiple voices and not just at the award show itself and I think mm. so
1: because they're launching bt her which is specifically oh. part of um, A new initiative for the black woman and so sh- shows for her by her And I think that's gonna be beautiful and amazing and I was like, oh, i'm glad I watched the BET awards Because I had no idea this was coming down the pipeline because I too feel the same way yeah. That bt has definitely made a change in a way that a direction that I wasn't, which is why I stopped watching it. And now I'm like, Oh, I'm definitely gonna be finding more about BT her because yeah. that's amazing and what a stake for y'all to take for black women in the game. Yes. Mm. Black women, we need that. We need we especially we need those different um,
0: representations of who we are, from our skin color to our hair, to mm-hmm. our voices, to how we express ourselves. I'm excited for that.
1: Shout be- out Nicki Minaj and Janelle Monet for their Diversity and what they brought to the awards and what they bring to Black women, because I think those are too far end of the spectrums at times.
0: Yeah. What do you got to say about BET Herb, Michael? As a Black man with your Black man voice. I mean,
2: <laughs> you know, every every week we we on here, and I uh, consistently want to celebrate Black women. You know, <laughs> so any celebration, especially in the public eye, is uh, past due and necessary, and I'm excited for that. Um, I'm excited for people like the two of y'all being represented um to the world in the way in which y'all should i actually did watch that uh or at least a, a bit of a, the janelle Monet performance at WT wars mm-hmm. and it was pretty dope it yeah. was it was really dope actually um so yeah shout out shout out to y'all man shout out to y'all before there was her on bet mm-hmm. shout out to y'all after it's done, if it if it it does is done at some point, like just shout out to the black woman.
1: Oh yeah, shout out to the black
0: woman.
2: Y'all yes. got the juice.
1: Yes, got the juice. Somebody was like, it. "What is black girl magic?" And I seen you know like our shrinkage when we like wash our hair and it shrinks. Man, yes. I, was, I was doing my hair this week, you know, yes. and I was like, "Black girl magic," because it was like, right. my hair, like I let it go and it was like sh- <laughs> I was like, "Black girl magic." Man, <laughs>
0: we, we could do a whole episode so on much. shrinkage.
1: Okay, y'all
0: don't know what shrinkage is for our non-black listeners. When black women, we wash our hair, we take out of our braids or whatever we got going on. Our hair itself, since it's so curly and kinky, it will go straight like to our head. Like it can like shrink. But if you comb it out, it can extend up to like, extend up to, like five inches. So Literally. it really just kind of symbolizes all the things we carry, all the things we're capable of, and how we have just beyond extension to the universe, beyond extension into our communities, that goes beyond what people could ever imagine. All right,
1: We That's defy magic. gravity. We defy everything. Look at that magic. I was like, the,
2: wow. The beautiful black woman.
0: <laughs> I love it. And wait, okay, I don't want to extend our stroll through the garden, but I wanted to get y'all opinion real quick before we hop into the seed of the day. So this past weekend, there were a lot of protests going on in terms of, you know, the response to um, President Trump and what's been going on um, with the border control with different families that have been separated so there were people getting together throughout the entire country coming together to protest against you know what's going on and I'm all for it I definitely do not agree with Trump's administration and what they're doing in terms of separating families at the border but it was interesting because and I had mixed feelings about this and hope I, I just want to get your guys' opinion really quick on it I'm not really that familiar, but I got an email on the YBSF, the Young Black Professional Group, um, from this commentator. Where did it go? His name is um, Boyce Watkins. Have you guys heard of him? I have not heard Mm -mm. of him. Political commentator. He's kind of controversial. He had this whole video rant basically stating, like, how he feels that the media itself makes this big deal about how there's this outcry for immigrant immigrant children being separated from their families, but he was like, "Where's the outcry from for black children being separated from their families in terms of incarceration?" Mm. And so, I his so I, I just want to I, I, I'm putting it out there. It's probably a, a future conversation. Me personally, I don't like the tit for tat. I don't think it's productive at times if there is a certain situation going on within a given community let's talk about that as opposed to let's bring up another one then like put them in comparison with each other Mm -hmm. because i feel like that kind of plays them against each other right um because that's exactly where he was going with it because he was like ain't nobody crying for the black kids and i said that is very true but at the same time that doesn't mean we still we we still shouldn't fight for these children as well So, yeah, it's a lot of different things, but it's one of those type of commentaries where you really don't hear that that much. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I just I'll send it to you guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah, So
1: So I think the one thing I have to say is sometimes in comparison, it's not because we want to compare, but we want to enlighten people Mm. who don't understand. And so I think y'all know I'm a big Dave Chappelle fan. I'm a fan. (laughs) And he talked about um, like if transgender people were getting shot on the corner, you know, at the same rate that black men were being killed, we'd be in a war. Right. And so mm. sometimes I don't think that it is necessary to compare, but to then again ask ourselves What is our internal biases against a certain racial or ethnic group mm. or a given? Um, political uh, Sentiment at that moment, and I think we are definitely mm. for immigrants But at the same time there's a lot and I think that was the issue with World War Two, double V How do we gonna have a victory outside of home? We fighting for like Vietnamese people and we're fighting for their rights, but like we got issues. We have segregation issues happening at home Yep, and so I think it's always like America is oh we're gonna save every the world, but we don't do enough to like Save ourselves, and so I don't think that he's wrong But I also think that there's a way to do it But it's also supposed to enlighten people who like are not enlightened on these issues I definitely like the way you explain that like bringing it up to
0: enlighten people She said that very well, everybody. If you don't think so, then something's wrong with you. But I completely agree. What do you think, Michael?
2: I think that's a tough answer because Mm. if there is a movement specifically for black people, right away, um, typically either another group of people is going to latch on to that movement for their own good or they're going to use that opening to push themselves through the opening. And then oftentimes what tends to happen is that then that movement ends up going ahead of the movement that it initially started from. And so I think that it's like really, really hard and something that we have to deal with as a community and have had to deal with as a community forever in this society is that like um, so often, so often it's the black community that is the beginning or the example for the change that needs to come but then it's the black community that ends up being on the bottom of the priority list mm. when it actually does start to come. Yeah. And so it's like hard because you don't want to, you don't want to be a black person and look at this issue and feel some type of way about it. But it's true that we are going through that and we have been going through that. Mm-hmm. And no, no nobody's, nobody's going to movements about us. You know, nobody's going, in fact, like, there's a good amount of people who are you know like we here in here in the Bay Area we've seen so many news stories in the last like two three weeks about like people calling police on black people for barbecuing at the lake
0: selling water
2: you know selling water <laughs> like you know come on like and so it's it's hard to not it's hard not to not face the ignorance that we've had to deal with as a community yeah. with ignorance ourselves, you know, but um we're we're better than that, you know, yeah. and, we're, and we're bigger than that and we're stronger than that. And we got to continue to be that. But that's like a serious challenge, though.
0: Yeah, that's like a future topic to kind of address that in terms of like acknowledging the injustices that are still going on and still being, as they like to say, an ally, which I don't know if I like that word sometimes, but more so more so someone who understands and connects with the issues. Um, not just someone who just observes them. So mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes that's what an ally, at least through my own kind of lens and experience, like, oh, I'm an ally. Like, you're just observing, you're not living it. Um, but to understand what other groups go through and see the connections, but then also see the difference in terms of what black people go through. And right. then, like, as Ashley said, there's a time and a place in how you go about having that conversation. So right. that's a future thing. But shout out to the protesters this weekend for making their stance and making their voices heard. And also shout out to those who are still making a stance and making their voice heard for the black children who are being separated from their families who are being incarcerated by numbers that go beyond freaking measure. So let's right. not forget about the black baby too right right um but with that being said that was a very well-rounded stroll I feel like we you know we were walking through the garden we got a little workout picked up some apples felt great yeah uh, <laughs> We're going to go segue into our seed of the day. And Deacon Mike is going to lead us on this conversation about are you selling out? And we're not talking about like selling out as if like you're actually selling something. Selling out for those who may not know is kind of like selling out to your cultural group or race. But go ahead and take over Deacon Mike.
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, I think this is like a really great conversation to be having for us tonight because this is something that we all deal with in the workplace, but very rarely have conversations about what we need to do to deal with and how we can change this, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Just like so many topics in the the black community, I think that we um, internalize it and carry it with us and do what we need to do to get to where we want to go. But the more open conversations we have, the better. And the more conversations that we have, the more that we can plot as a community to change it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm excited to have this conversation with you tonight. Um, First, we'll highlight like the two articles that we have for the week. Um, One is being black, but not too black in the workplace. And that's by Ada Harvey Wingfield. And the other is... Six Struggles of Being Unapologetically Black in a Professional Environment. And this is by...
0: Ooh. It's Myesha Johnson.
2: Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. By Myesha Johnson.
1: Myisha.
2: Um, And so we'll be... Uh, we, we read those... <laughs> we read those... <laughs> uh, we read those two articles before we came in here today, and um, I'm sure we will reference those articles but to kick us off the question that i want to pose to the two of you is um can we reach the hierarchy in our careers and not have to mask who we are on a regular basis or outside the office and why or why not so um i know that we can always get in the door but a dream of mine is to be a ceo and can i become a ceo um, speaking and carrying myself the same way that I would with you two in a professional environment.
1: Do you wanna go? I have some thoughts. Go ahead, AT. So,
0: <clears throat> like I said, I, I've had a lot of different thoughts about this, but speaking off top of my spirit, and thinking about just from my own personal experience working thus far. And I've been working since the age of nine. My first job was a paper rail girl with my brother. Shout out to Malachi Tripp. <laughs> um, <laughs> Shout out um, Malachi. And I've had jobs working as a bartender. I've worked at Groupon. I've worked at Writer's Theater. I've worked at university levels, educational settings. So I've worked in a variety of settings. So personally me, I do think that you are able to reach the potential of where you want to go with not per se having to mask completely all of who you are. There is like a certain game that you have to play. Mm -hmm. There is. But I think at the same time, there is a level where you can stay true to who you are. Um, And I think it's about picking and choosing the type of profession and positions that won't compromise all of who you are. And when I think back on particular interviews I've been on and particular positions I've held, to be quite honest, I have always shown shown up as who I am. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've learned even over the years of interviewing, like to take away the nerves, to take away like the pressure, just be myself. I've cracked jokes in interviews. I've told people, like, this is where I'm at. This is what I want to do. And for those who who didn't hire me, to me, that was a sign that that's not where I'm supposed to go. And those who did, that's where I was supposed to be. Because I have been in very, very predominantly white settings where I am the only black person there. And there is, like, a certain level of etiquette or professionalism that is expected of you. But I could, I still felt to some degree I could still show up as who I was. Mm. And I feel like as I've been going further within my own pr- professional career, I've been realizing now, like, there's been more autonomy in allowing me to just own who I am while still getting my work done, while still being professional, and still while being authentic. And I also think, because, like, in today's, like, working world, because I know you said you want to be C- a CEO, and that could be so broad, right? Right. I think in today's world, especially like with creatives and artists and educators, a lot of us are kind of going through kind of like a social entrepreneurship type of level anyway. So mm-hmm. we may be working for certain organizations or certain companies, but a lot of us are taking notes and a lot of us are building our own brands and our own business businesses outside of that. So me personally, like the jobs I've held I've been thankful for all of them. They've taught me a lot, built a lot of network, a lot of relationships, a lot of friends, a lot of professional growth and personal growth. But I really feel like I've been blessed enough where I didn't have to compromise all of who I was. There's been right. compromising situations where I've had to rise to the you know situation and like handle certain things. But if I'm ever in a uh, job environment where I feel like it doesn't fit right with my spirit and my core and my morals, I don't want to be there anyway, period. Just mm-hmm. straight up like that. So I do think to a certain degree, you do not have to mask all of who you are, but you do have to recognize there is going to be a certain game that you're going to have to play, and it really just depends on like what field we're talking about. Because I know right now we're talking very broad too,
1: mm-hmm. right? And so I think where I want to talk about is Aisha said she's worked at in predominantly white environments. She's worked for a variety of different corporations and companies, and unlike Aisha, like I left undergrad and i worked at a middle school and then from there i've been at college track ever since for the last four years and so my route's a little different because i don't have as much experience working outside in different corporations or different companies Um, or even having like extensive internship experience Mm -hmm. and so for me when i think about it i have always done what is true to myself Mm -hmm. whether i knew i was doing it or not as an undergrad at uc berkeley i declared african American studies major which is not something that a lot of people do i can Mm -hmm. tell you my year when i graduated in 2013 there might have been 30 to 35 students in that in that major class and a lot of students double majored and i didn't feel the need to Mm -hmm. Um, but in saying that i'm saying that i have always been true to whatever is right for me Mm -hmm. and i know that in other episodes i talk about Humans being complex human beings. Yeah. The type of human being I am is someone who only works as hard as she wants, excels at things that she is extremely passionate about and yeah. cares about. And that has led me to environments that have not been predominantly white, but have been pre- predominantly mission driven or mm-hmm. passion driven. Um, and so for me to say that, I think that I've had the I've been fortunate enough to one, not feel the pressure from family or society to, mm-hmm. to conform to one way, but to really go with things that are true to me. So majoring in African American studies, caring about education, caring about HIV AIDS, caring about women's rights, thinking about things from the perspective of a black feminist. Um, I haven't been un- unapologetically me and I've been able to also excel, but I also have extremely high executive functioning skills. Mm-hmm. And I also know that I'm safe in the sense that even though I am dark skinned, I'm not super dark. And I know that also comes with something. Colorism plays into society. Mm -hmm. Also, well-educated, yeah. which also comes from a different thing. I'm not someone who someone would look at and go, she's ignorant because I have a degree from Cal and I'm about to be a, a grad student at UPenn. So I know that there's a lot of things that, yeah. that work for me, yeah. but I'm also very open and outspoken about those things because yeah. I know that they make people feel more comfortable in terms of American society. Mm-hmm. So I'll say that I have less experience, but I'll also say that I'm a very mission-driven, very passion-driven person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that has allowed me to excel because I think once you find what you really love, whether mm-hmm. it's fine, whether it's banking, whether it's education, whether it's technology, once you find what you love, you are going to work endlessly and tirelessly to be amazing in that area because it's true to you. Mm And so I think once people figure that out, they'll be okay. But I also will say that we need people in financing. We need people in banking. We need people in education. We need people in technology because at the, same, at the same rate, I st- we still need people to fill those roles in mm-hmm. society. And we all need to become from diverse backgrounds and have diverse passions so that we're working at making society greater as a whole. I talk a lot about yeah. collaboration and, partner- and partnership. Mm-hmm. So for me, that is kind of where I think I'm at. But I also want to acknowledge that like, there are things that are playing for me um, in when I'm able to like make this statement. Mm-hmm.
2: right i think that's uh interesting i think both of your points are like super valid um for for me like
0: a talk show host with your notes <laughs> sorry <laughs> for, for
2: me um actually you reminded me of a conversation that i had with two of my greatest friends uh father and he told me he, he was uh he was hella funny because he was so so nice to me and had a lot of love for me um But he was like, I don't want to disrespect you, Mike. And I was like, you could just say whatever you want to me, no matter. He was like, you're the guy that when you walk into the interview, I either really know I want to hire you or I really know I don't want to hire you. Interesting. And I thought that was a, I thought that made me feel actually really good about myself, Mm -hmm. because just like you said, it means that I pretty much authentically walk in to any environment the way I am. And either you're gonna like that, and that's gonna be something that's really good for you, or not. And if not, then I could take that because it probably wasn't good for me. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that to some extent I have accomplished that. Um, but what I will say is that like, and I don't, and I don't know if this is maybe a little bit different um, for like a for like a black man, but. Mm there's there's like a me against the world feeling when I'm in a professional environment mm. where I just expect everybody to assume the worst of me and I think that's like pretty true in general within society I walk into a store and I expect somebody to assume I'm trying to steal from them um but like mm. so no matter no matter what off, at least off the jump there's going to be some sort of me masking myself because I'm naturally afraid of everybody in there looking to find and um, like pick apart the worst attributes that I have. Um, with that said, the more you become comfortable with yourself, the more that you're going to be able to navigate the professional landscape comfortably. And that is one thing that many, many people don't do. Is they don't take that time to really become comfortable and confident in who they are mm-hmm. and who they bring to the table, whatever whatever table they're sitting at. And so as long as we continue to work on that process, I I think we're I think we'll, we'll be all right.
1: Yeah, I I really agree with Michael about the working on self. I think we talked about it in our self care episode. But I was at Salesforce all week with my students. They were doing a professional development boot camp with Salesforce and employees and. The one thing that the students walked away with, which I knew walking in, is that when you're going for a job interview, it's not them interviewing you. It's also you interviewing them. Do I want to work here? Do I want to be here? Mm -hmm. And I think that is a part of knowing yourself. Is this an environment that I'm going to excel at? Is this an environment that I care about? Is this something that I'm passionate about? Am I doing this just for the money? And if so, the way you walk into the interview is completely different because Mm. you should be interviewing them to find out, are they going to be a good match for me? Yes. Right. And vice versa. Right, right. And I, you're, you're completely right. And I
0: appreciate you being vulnerable enough, Michael, to like admit to like that mindset about like the me against the world and feeling like fearful about like are they picking me apart? But like as you had eloquently had said, it's about being comfortable with yourself mm-hmm. and allowing yourself to take those calculated good risks. Because I'm even thinking back to when. I, when I was living in the Bay Area after I graduated, and I graduated into a recession, right? And so my first job out of college was working at freaking Cameo on the street team. Oh my God, I hated that job. I mean, Cameo was cool, but that—oh, that's a whole other conversation. Hmm. And then I ended up working at Starbucks, and then I went to work at the Oakland Airport serving in bartending because it made good money, and that's just what I had to do. Hmm. And after working there for two years and then putting on our show, I had this dream and vision to go to Chicago learn more about the theater companies out there and really just grow as an artist so i emailed a plethora of different theater companies artists and individuals in chicago like hey are you guys hiring and it took like that risk like that confidence and like that i'm gonna put myself out there and when i went on my interview at the writers theater which is like a predominantly white theater space and i knew what i was getting myself into but i was like this is what I want to do. Mm. This is who I am. And if you guys want to accept me for what I have to offer and I want to learn from you, then you'll hire me. And, like, it really takes that. Like, breaking, like, that mindset in terms of, like, me against the world but allowing yourself to know, like, I have something to offer. Right. And I have something to give and there's something I want to learn from you. Just how you had just said, Ashley, like, Is this place somewhere you want to be? And is this this a place that you want to learn from? So when you can take that time to be comfortable and confident with yourself and like take that risk to put yourself out there, Mm -hmm. all that mask and all that other stuff doesn't even matter because it's really just about what you want to do. And like, when you mentioned like the money aspect too, I know we live in a capitalistic society and it's crazy because people will focus on the money, like the income, and that's why they'll pick their career. I personally believe if, you, if you're if driving force is money alone, you're not going to be happy. Just period. I mean, money does create per se safety or you can think about it like that. But I've always chased after what I believe in and the money always followed after. Mm-hmm. But if you're just looking at the money as the end goal, you could be making six figures and you could hate your job. Is it really what you're passionate about? Is it really what you want to do? Are you really in an environment that speaks to your morals, who you are? And like you had said, Ashley, like a place that's serving you as much as you're serving them.
2: Right. And even that is something that I think as a community is a challenge for us mm-hmm. in not just taking what we can get and instead making sure we we take what we want.
1: Right. And you know I'm going down my capitalism rant. <laughs> <to the> black <laughs> hole, But... It is easier said than done when you are at need and you need to send a child to college. Right. and You need to put You're living in the Bay Area where rent is skyrocketing. You don't want your kids to live in bid bug or roach infested like places. And I mean, it's much more easier said than done when we're not talking about black people never got 40 acres and a mule. Most. Of so, them. again, I, I want to say that because we know that capitalism is succeeding because of the way in which it is set up and unfortunately we also have to be like-minded and chase money but i agree with aisha that if you are and this is me being that spirituality is like my core value my top core value if you are in line and in tune with what your purpose is in the world Mm -hmm. and what you're passionate about the money will come because i'm telling you it It has it has come for me personally
0: yeah no seriously it does like I'm, i'm i'm just thinking about it like like the same Ashley we're aligned with that. Like you being African-American studies major, me being a film major, we both heard that throughout college. How you gonna make money with that? What you gonna do? Bills have been paid. Mm-hmm. And not only have needs been met, but been able to exceedingly do what you wanna do. Mm-hmm. So it really is like staying true to who you are. And I think that's what, I'm thinking about the whole term selling out now. Selling out just isn't about like selling out to your community or selling out to this mm-hmm. form of blackness, however you wanna define that. Are you selling out to just, like, who you are? Mm. And, like, are you even allowing yourself to be called or give into what is your passion, your dream, your purpose? Right. Which, in the society we live in, like you mentioned, Ashley, there's so many different systems and barriers and distractions that get in the way that don't even allow people that privilege to really tap into, like, what they believe and what they're passionate about. It's really unfortunate. Mm. That's why there's so many, like, sad people right now. Seriously.
2: Right. So... This is um, making me think of, like, a, a a question that may be easily answered, unfortunately. Um, but it comes up in both of our articles. In the first article, being black but not too black in the workplace, they talk about, like, having a white voice on the phone, <laughs> phone quote-unquote white voice. Um, and if you look at the other one, the six struggles of being unapologetically black in the workplace, the six main struggles... I think have to deal with this idea of professionalism and what it looks like for a black person within this environment and so mm. um as i listen to you talk about like being professional and i read these two articles about being professional in the workplace like is being professional for white people different than it is for black people because i think that this i this word professional professionalism has been created Where um, before we got on air, you talked about, you know, working at a past job and it being like a frat house style. Groupon. Okay, I didn't know if
0: you want me to say that. It's funny you can say that. People know that about Groupon. Right. So like
2: and we've and we've heard same stuff about organization uh, companies like Uber. And it's probably like that in many companies in this world. Different. Right. But those but those men who contribute to these problems are considered professionals. Right. But if I come in there and I say for show in a meeting or I call somebody, bruh, it might be looked at as unprofessional. But if I call them man. Right. That might be considered okay. So is professional for white people different than being professional for black people?
1: I have two thoughts. Yes. I think the answer is yes and no. So I think there is a standard of professionalism. And I'm saying this because as I was, Aisha was on our email and Michael's picture popped up, right? There is this idea of like what a professional headshot is versus what a picture is, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's also a professional, there also is this idea of like that a headshot has nothing to do with being white. It has more to do with professionalism, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, I thought professionalism might be a word that's masking whiteness or that's masking really anti-blackness, right? And I think that it can go in both, but there are some things that are like, this is definitely professional versus this is definitely white. Here's an example. Do I wear holy jeans or a low cut shirt to work? That has nothing to do with being black or white That has something to do with being over-revealing, which then goes into patriarchy, which then goes into <laughs> white male and um, being heterosexual and cisgender and all of these other things, right? And so for me, I think that there is... I think the answer is not black or white. It is yes. Mm-hmm. And it is yes, professionalism is anti-black and white. And it's also, no, it isn't. They're also just a level of how you show up in a certain environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I'm saying that because there is no... Easy answer to this, but that I've yeah. watched it, especially being there this week um, in a corporate environment, in a tech company environment, in a company that is at the forefront of the fourth um, industrial Re- revolution, and thinking about wait, professionalism is showing up and being respectful. Yeah. That is at the core of professionalism. But for many years, it has been masked as whiteness, mm. i.e., the article talks about. I'm professional when I wear my hair bunned or straight, not when I wear my hair curly or in braids. That is anti-black. That is being professional, being masked. But I have a picture that displays me in a professional outfit, meaning I don't look like I'm going to the club. I look like I'm showing up to work. Because you do want to show up at those environments in a different way. Mm -hmm. I
0: I agree. I like how you broke that down so eloquently Ashley as you always do it's like Ashley you need to write a book and just be an ongoing commentator <laughs> um can we look up the definition of professional right it says of relating to or characteristic a profession engaged in one of the learned professions characterized by or conforming to the technical or ethical standards of a profession so you're right in the sense that There are certain places, certain corporate or organization environments where professionalism at times can equate to whiteness or white supremacy more so. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I think about being professional, I think about your work ethic, how you show up at work, and how you get things done. Mm -hmm. Um, I know from my own personal experience, I have been privileged enough where I've worked in environments. When I went on my interview at Groupon, I had an afro. I did. I did. So I was hired with that. But I know there mm. have been places in America where that has not been accepted. And I think one's hairstyle should not equate to their professionalism. However, if we're going to talk about how you articulate yourself in an email, can we talk about that first? This mm. this this, ex, this exceeds color right here. Right. Because there's a certain way, professionally, you're supposed to um, articulate yourself in an email. I see it all the time with certain students. You should um, start your email with a greeting, your message, and an ending. Some people just really write, Yeah. Like, no, not especially like in educational settings or admission settings or recruiting settings, but it really depends on the given environment and what's like expected of this certain employee or like the culture itself. So professionalism to me, I can see like the black and white in it, but I think overall it's really about how you execute, how you show up and how you get things done. Cause that's mm-hmm. what I'm looking at. And that's how I personally show up at my job. Like right. I do come to do my work and I also believe too, like. While you do want to show up as who you are, like let's just be real here. Like some things are for work and some things are for your home. Right. You know, you can't bring all of yourself to the job. You know, like we ain't gonna be sitting up there just barbecuing and kicking in and stuff like that all day. Cause at the end of the day, we do have work to do. Mm-hmm. So there is like a certain kind of protocol that a culture or a work environment should follow but it really depends on that given environment and unfortunately as we know there are certain work environments in today's culture that do adhere more to a white supremacist or patriarchal type of standing Mm -hmm. so it really just depends or whatever so it's it's a lot and i know i just said a lot right right
2: (laughs) no it it was interesting as i listened to the two of you um what it really made me think about is um what one like being professional is being professional I think that the change is in um, and we have this in come up in many pieces of our society the change is in how it's enforced or who it's enforced to mm-hmm. and oftentimes it is the um, the power dynamic that affects who's enforced and who's expected to be professional and held accountable to that and who's not um, both in the sense of black versus white but I also really thought in the sense of like men versus women right Mm -hmm. and when you talked about like not wearing clothes that's revealing like to be honest with you Mm -hmm. okay I I definitely get that but what's more inappropriate is the fact that the dude in the office is coming by to keep looking at you in these clothes that are supposedly unrevealing because he wants you to be revealed and he is okay walking through the office and feeling like that but you not wearing it though you know what I'm saying? And so there's like an enforcement towards the woman because, oh, you're you're revealing too much. But no enforcement towards the male for being a dog and walking past your desk 17 times in an hour because he wants to see you.
1: 100% agree. Because like as they were giving the dress code for students, I was thinking, this is very gender focused Mm. like low cut tops see through and I'm like it shouldn't be it should just say this in general and not be for a certain gender or a certain masculinity type Right. because for me I thought but then again that's where we go with equality and equity and I want to get into equality and equity a little bit because equality is not just oh we all have the same thing like regardless if you're a man or a woman it's also equity and equity means understanding that people have been disadvantaged for centuries i.e. women i.e. people of color and so that like in order to make sure they feel safe in their environment again we talk about we want minorities to show up in a professional thing okay okay have you given them the money to make sure they can shop and, and like yeah. and dress in these ways? Um, have you schooled them on how things will fit? We talk about there was this big thing I think earlier either last year or this year about the second or third grade school teacher wearing like a dress and because mm. she happened to have more hips and butt it looked different and I'm like right. that's the same thing that anybody could have wore but because she happens to be more curvier it's an issue which I know for myself yeah. comes into play but the way that I just dismantle is I wear whatever I want to as long as I feel like it's appropriate regardless if I'm a man or a woman because hey I have hips but I don't care like that has nothing to do with me that has nothing to do with your eyes like I can't take my hips away but the same skirt would be acceptable on my intern who happens to be an Asian female who's a little bit smaller
2: right right
1: that's just how I play it I just I'm gonna show up and do my work and excel and be the like be the shit I tell people that all the time like I think I'm the shit I know I'm the shit my numbers my metrics the way I show up shows it and the way that I look is not gonna take away from that yeah it's interesting you guys bring up the whole like gender thing and like dress
0: code because i remember a while back a friend of mine had posted on um facebook and i'm known for this i'm i'm the type of person on facebook i'll name it i'll just like read the comments i don't participate i'm like really yeah. hey, mm-hmm. i do and too though i'll be like people got a lot of time on their hand they just going in right now but anyway <laughs> um there was like this posting about middle school girls and the dress code And it sparked this whole dialogue about how, like, women need to be responsible for what they wear because it entices younger men. And, like, this whole thing where you're talking about the guy walking by and looking and, like, all, like, these different, like, assumptions and different things that women, we have to think about that, especially if you're a woman who does have more curvier hips or if you have a fuller breast or, you know, you got a big butt or whatever like that. Like, you have to be, quote, unquote, more aware of these things, but then it's kind of like aren't we all supposed to take responsibility and like how, as me as a woman, how am I supposed to be responsible to how you react to my body? But at the same time, I mean, me personally, And I'm, let me just make this clear, I personally do not believe in policing or telling anybody how to dress, let it be you want to reveal yourself or you want to be covered up. Me personally, I carry myself the way I feel comfortable with. So I know when I show up to work, no, I'm not going to come in booty shorts and, you know, a tank top or whatever like that, because that's just not what I'm here for or whatever. But... It's interesting. It's very interesting how, like, that plays and how there is that responsibility that is placed on the woman mm. and how, like, the equity part, like, we're not thinking about it like that. So professionalism isn't as black and white yes. <laughs> as the question has posed to me. It's just not. It's gray. Right. It's purple. It's orange. It's a little bit of everything. <laughs> right,
1: right. Yeah.
2: Um, so. That was That was really cool to listen to y'all articulate that. Um, it, it makes me want to skip a question that I had, and we'll come back to it a little bit later. And I want to think about how, as a community, we can be better at supporting ourselves through the need to change this, right? So, so often, um, as a as a young black professional, we face um, challenges on both spectrums, both inside the inside the professional environment and outside, right? And this question is um, both talking about inside and outside, but here we are on, on both sides, the minority. Typically, when we're on the inside, obviously it's a lot less black people in these environments than there should be. Um, and so we're kind of fighting against um, a system that's been created and uh, an environment that's not too black. And then we go home and we may be the minority in that we may be the only ones who finished our education or we may be the only ones who work in this professional environment, right? So on both ends, when we're trying to find support and it talks about in the articles, the mental strain that it takes to be going through this and what we have to do to like take it on. So how can we be, as a community, more supportive of ourselves in changing this?
0: No, you can go. I think, it, well, at least like for me, I think it goes back to what we were kind of, one thing we were um, naming at the top of the um, conversation is for yourself, finding that comfort and that confidence within yourself to Mm -hmm. own who you are and I personally believe the more you demonstrate that not only through words but also through your action through your presence through your aura that gives other people permission to do the same thing and for those who you may come across who still want to question or challenge or demean it to me I look at it like that's just the insecure way of them responding to something they're not comfortable about with themselves Mm -hmm. so if anything just still standing strong and standing firm in who you are and I feel like that allows you to attract other people who are like like-minded in that, who want better, who don't want to place limits on who they are, what they can do, who aren't just going to be told by society, this is what I'm supposed to be in order to be successful, but they're defining success for themselves. And I know even though in the world we live in today, capitalism, distractions, so many different things that are up against us, but one glimmering light of hope that I do see is that there is... Opportunity in terms of the things that we can choose to do. Mm-hmm. So it's like what Ashley had stated earlier. It's like picking the profession and picking the place of employment that fits you. You don't have to go work at this Fortune 500 company if that doesn't fit to who your spirit is. Right. You can go after the job. Let it be. You want to get into um, working. You know, at a coffee shop, or you want to start your own fashion line, or you want to get into education. There are so many different organizations and companies that fit a lot of different or demonstrate a lot of variety in how they function and how their work environment is mm-hmm. in comparison to like back like in the 50s and 40s where it was like factory jobs or just office jobs where it was a little bit more kind of structured i feel like in today's society there's a little bit more variety where you have that option to do that and i think the more that we allow ourselves to get comfortable and own who we are will give freedom to other people. Cause I'm at a point in my life where I know back in the day when I was like in middle school and high school, and it did used to hurt my feelings when I would hear peers among me say, oh, you talk like a white girl. Oh, you do this and blah, 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 that's hella white. And then I came to realize through my family and just my own learning, like that's ignorant. I'm Mm -hmm. me, I don't talk white. I don't talk black. I talk like Aisha, I am who I am. And by the more I accepted who I was, the more I attracted other people who accepted who they were too and we're just doing that and then we give voice to other people to do the same so that's what i think in terms of like uplifting and showing support to our community to break those limits because we really got to get past this whole like this is what black people do and this Mm -hmm. is what so and so people do because it's really really limiting behavior in my opinion so yeah
1: yeah so of course i 100 percent agree with what you're saying that we have to go past like the colorism around behaviors and like actions I think that one way to get past that is that in environments whether you choose to work for a fortune 500 or you choose to work for a nonprofit or you choose to start your own business you have to know the people that you work with because we are complex human beings so I wanted to give I was thinking there's so many antidotes so many different stories I can Mm -hmm. share for this (laughs) but I guess the easiest one right now is that like use myself as an example and I statements I'm a black woman who is Catholic who is also raised low income who's also raised with a single mother who also went to one of the top universities in the world and all of those things don't fit together none of that fits Mm -hmm. together and so my point of saying that is that once you understand somebody and once you begin to build understanding amongst your work teams the better you all be able to to live and to work together Mm -hmm. because you now understand like this person isn't just their color or Mm. their ethnicity This person is their upbringing. This person is their education. This person is their life experiences. Mm -hmm. This person is whatever they decide to be or whatever they practice um, on a day-to-day basis. And I think once we take time to do that, we're much in a better position to understand and to accept people for who they are Mm -hmm. and I think an example of that is we take like a leadership compass test, we take this color wheel test and it just shows like it's more about working style so you know how someone shows up in the workspace because it's important that we all don't, we all aren't alike because if we all are alike I don't know that we're going to solve any issues because diversity breeds um, innovative and new ideas Mm -hmm. and so I think that is why it's important to have diversity and innovation in the in any environment Mm -hmm. but in order to do that you have to establish vulnerability in the understanding of each other Mm -hmm. and that does not mean just racial understanding Mm
0: -hmm. thank you for actually always wrapping it up so nicely
2: yeah I think um, like I definitely agree with the with the two of you Um, but then I have also to some extent what feels like a conflicting idea of 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 how to navigate um, this challenge one i feel like learning how to just communicate who you are both in the professional environment and at home is entirely important to gaining the support of the people who are around you in any environment yeah, and i think true. that like sometimes we go into each arena and we have this mask on because we want to fit well into the arena rather than just communicating who we are what we're doing what we're looking to get out of it and the more that we open ourselves up yeah and to vulnerability and being open to who we are and um, uh, communicating what we're doing and why we're doing it the more people are going to understand and relate yeah. um there's also a part of me that thinks that like here we are in 2018 i don't think it's right that we have to be conscious of that uh, conscious of this or even think of it but I had a conversation with my friend years ago about making the intellectual decision to com- to confine yourself in the box of society or the box of professionalism so that you could put yourself in a position where you could blow it up. And I think that as a community we need to continue to like work on that. Because the more people that we get in high positions, the more that we can redefine what this is and the more that we can restructure organizations and companies, right? But we got to put ourselves in that position first. And even if that means that to some extent, we have to um, confine ourselves into that box and not try to blow it up too soon so that we could get to that point, um, I feel like that's necessary, even though I hate feeling that way to, to, to be real with you. And then what I was thinking about, too, is um, as a community, I think we need to take the time. And this, this may be a, a, another possible topic for us to define what success is for us.
0: Yeah, definitely. You have to define that. You do.
2: And I think that that's something we don't talk about so much. I remember my friend four or five years ago asking me, like, well, you say you want to be successful, Mike, but what does success mean to you? And I'm like, well, you know, it's success. And I didn't know how to articulate it, you know. Yeah. And I think that as a culture, we don't necessarily know how to articulate success. And if we articulate it more, the less colorism is shown in the way that we carry ourselves.
0: Yeah, we got to define it for ourselves and make it for ourselves and not leave it up to the powers per se to be to make that success for us. Because unfortunately, as of right now, if you were to survey, I bet a majority of people in terms of success, a lot of them go straight towards money. And like, yes, money is the way we operate. But like Denzel Washington had stated in one of like his um, many famous speeches when he's talking to like the young people of like art, art, artistry and actors and stuff. He was like, "Yo, money, your clothes, your car, all that is not coming with you when you leave this earth. Mm-hmm. It's not all about that at the end of the day. Even right. though that's what the message that we're constantly given. Those are just extra items. But there's more to it than just the status and more to it than just than just the paycheck or whatever. Right. So we do need to take the time to define what that success looks like. And we do need to take the time as it always goes back to I feel like in a lot of our episodes and shout out to our sound producer Steven because he and I have our accountability chats and we talk about this like the community itself needs to get back to knowing who they are as individuals and collectively and then also getting back to a state of wholeness because there's a lot of just broken mindsets and a lot of people are just operating from a very insecure state of just looking for external things to make them feel better because they're not even good within themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's really, in my opinion, it's really about that not at the end of the day, but maybe at the start. <laughs> you know, they say, at the end of the day, where did I come from? At the end of the day, you know, what, what, at the start of the day, where, where, where are we starting at?
2: Right. That's just a saying that we like to use. Yeah. At the
0: end time. of the day, at the beginning of the day, at the start of breakfast. I'm going to start saying, at the start of breakfast, though. Uh, <laughs> I like my grits.
2: What, one of my favorite sayings is uh, <laughs> making making a long story short.
0: Right. <laughs> but but usually
2: I say that after the story's already been long.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey shout out to Lauren and Janice we were talking about the podcast and they were like yeah we want to come on but can we get a word in because Michael he be talking I was like yeah Michael be talking oh, and I was man. like y'all can get a word in
2: oh man <laughs> no Michael Killy. you always
0: got good things to say since day one Michael been talking that's why I was like he need to come on this podcast <laughs> thinking back to all the times in the tutoring center he be like yeah you know I was thinking this I was like this man got something to say So <laughs> man, <laughs>
1: oh, um,
2: yeah. before we wrap up and, and yeah. go on to the next segment of the show Um, the last question that I have for the two of you is there a difference between selling out and being professional and what is code switching and where does that fit into this conversation I had to say that question because I I know I should have something to say about that but so is there a difference between selling out and being professional and where does code switching fit within this conversation
1: so that's a loaded those are two loaded questions I'm going to go to code switching um and I believe that at the core code switching is translating in someone else's most comfortable language so do I code switch when I'm around my high schoolers yes but only to make sure that you are clearly understanding what it is that I am conveying do I actually do a repeat back yes When I translate and that's no different from when you're translating and this is for I have friends who speak different languages and they have to translate for their grandparents, whether it's in Vietnamese or Creole or French, at the end of the day, like you're code switching because there's no the words don't translate perfectly Mm. from one language to another. And so, anytime you are talking to different groups of people, I think you have to translate if you really want them to understand your message. So, do I co switch when I talk to adults? Yes. Do I co switch when I talk to kids? Yes. Do I co switch when I'm talking to different people from a different community? Potentially, but I have to be extremely conscious of it to understand like, this is how you're going to. Do it to understand. So I have code switch before. I know people some people will shake their head or say that they don't agree with it. But a group of black mothers are gonna understand me much better if I talk in their language than if I'm speaking, if I know how to speak Spanish, and I'm speaking Spanish to a group of Latino people um, who speak Spanish. Like they're going to understand me better than if I try to speak English. So I think code switching is nothing more than translating in a different language and it gets a negative connotation. But unfortunately, I'm a complex human being, so I, don't have to, I know how to speak and translate to different people. Mm. that is my feeling on code switching is it draining is it tiring sometimes yes however when you are a skilled facilitator your entire goal is not to be untired your entire goal to make sure that your message is met Mm. and that is how I see myself Amen. Thank you for breaking down code switching that
0: way because according to Wikipedia, code switching occurs when a speaker alternates between two or more languages or language vi- 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 varieties in the context of a single conversation. So the way you just explained it was definitely like in the translating option, which definitely is, if you think about it, everybody does it. There's right. certain ways where we're like, no, nah, this is what I mean. like, Or you're trying to explain something and you have to kind of switch to where a person's at or how they receive things or whatever. Sometimes when I think about code switching I think about and you know, I I think I just think about the masking element of like trying to and this is not how I do it but some people have talked about it this way in terms of like being something you're not in order to appease to other people. Mm. That's what I don't agree with code switching. I agree with code switching in terms of when you're trying to communicate, when you're trying to get an idea across and when you're trying to meet people where you're at. Now, when it comes to masking or pretending or trying to put on airs, that's where I don't get with it. And I think that segues into like your sellout question Um, And I feel like a broken record, but at the end of the day or at the start of breakfast, whatever you want to (laughs) say. Long story short. Long story short. (laughs) It's really just, in my opinion, about staying true to who you are. Mm -hmm. And as, like, Ashley has stated, and I, like, wrote it down because I was so intrigued by it. um, We are not just our... We are more than just, like, these labels. We are more than just, like, being a woman or being black or being from Sacramento or being from Oakland. We are complex individual beings. So the way I approach people, because I don't want people to approach me like a label. I know people have done that. And I know people can even do that looking at me. And that's fine. We all can, like, make assumptions and stuff. But I personally... Check myself. I like to hear where a person's coming from, see how they articulate themselves, and what they're full about. Because we are three dimensional people, we're not just what a one dimensional stereotypical caricature. Cause at the end of the day i mean then if we were all just judging ourselves from that then we can all just be one-dimensional beings and i don't want people looking at me like that mm-hmm. so i approach people the way i would want others to approach me so i approach them knowing that they're more than the label that they represent and there may be certain things that they're tied to within their community but i also know that they're they have their own individual story mm-hmm. so like i said i am aisha Tripp. I am from Pittsburgh, California. Yes, I am black. I come from a two-parent home. I went to San Diego State. I have a graduate-level degree. However, I am a complex being. I have a variety of different interests. I play Zelda. I listen to Green Day and Earth, Wind & Fire. You can't put me in a box. Mm-hmm. And we can't put any of ourselves in a box. So don't sell out. That's my That's like my overall like statement right there. Be true to who you are. Stay true to what you believe in. And all of what you believe in, all of what you are connected to, in my opinion, from a spiritual standpoint, when you're rooted in that, it will all fall into place. Right. So yes, that's
1: that's my answer. And I wanna say, because Aisha's 100% right about being true to yourself, but to be true to yourself, you have to know yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that takes time and that takes work. That takes understanding what are your core values. That takes understanding how do you show up in a space that understands who it under, it's really answering the question, who am I? Which is a loaded question. Mm. Um. But I just wanna say that because we're saying this, but I'm saying if you haven't done the work, get help. Find self-help yes. books, do some of these things. It does mean like I'm carving out 30 minutes a day to work on myself, mm-hmm. whether that's in the gym or that is writing mm-hmm. down core values and organizing them from top to bottom. I mean, it takes work Yeah. Right. in terms of being unapologetically you. You have to know who you are. Right. Also one thing, and in Michael, I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: when you're saying the work part, it's ongoing. Mm, because we're constantly or we should be (laughs) constantly evolving human beings like I know who I am today is not the same person I was at the age of 21 Mm. there are like things like my essence and my being I will forever be goofy I will forever be ridiculous or whatever but I've learned different things and I've shifted and I've changed and I've evolved so you're going to be doing that work and constantly checking in to make sure like who you are and where you're going
2: yeah um it was really dope to hear the two of you answer that question when it comes to code switching i, I really appreciated what you said um and i kind of think about it in terms of like being a chameleon right mm-hmm. i am who i am but i'm also going to change in any environment i am i'm in so that my mm-hmm. message can be sent to who i want it to be sent to right and so i was listening to you say that and i think that that really came to my mind because I, I feel like I do that on a consistent basis. I'm gonna be who I am and I'm gonna bring the same person to every environment I'm a part of, but I'm gonna have to alter myself in small ways so that I make sure that that environment is prepared and able to take the message that I wanna to send to them. And if I believe in the message that I have, then I'm gonna do whatever I need to do to gain the power to be able to send that message. Um, do what
0: you need to do. When it
2: comes to selling out versus being professional, for me i think that the the foundation of being a sellout is going to a specific place and forgetting or lacking to or not acknowledging where you came from and what prepared you to be who you are in that day and so i think that when we have sellouts if I'm someone who acts professional in my day job, nine to five every day on a weekday, and I'm here in the weekend sitting with my partners like I've been since we been in middle school, then clearly I'm not selling out because I'm still in the same place. I'm still the same person. I just do some different things, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm a person who goes in and gets this professional job and buys a million dollar house, and then all of a sudden I don't know my friends no more, and my, my phone number changes, then maybe call <laughs> me a sellout. Right. But if you stay connected and you remain who you are throughout the entire process, which if you have not caught on to at this point is 100 percent a theme of our podcast is just be able to be comfortable with yourself. And just because I am moving into maybe a different uh, tax bracket or because I'm moving into a different um part of society it doesn't mean that i didn't still come from that place and that my Mm -hmm. friends that came from the same place as i am are still a very important piece to me being who i am so i could still be connected to them the connection may change it may be altered we talked about this on the uh friends episode but it doesn't mean it's not there and if we try to forget about it so that we only fit in in our new environment that is when we become sellouts but if we are doing what we can to be a part of both environments i think that you are only authentically being you and doing what you need to do to put yourself and your community in a better position and that's what that's what we supposed to do
0: amen to that brother and we hope with this episode, as we do with every episode, because we're giving ourselves, we're giving our testimonies um, to offer insight, perspective, and also an opportunity for you guys who are listening to think about, as Ashley has stated, like, what are your values? Like, where are you going? where do you see yourself in your professional scope and are you currently selling out Mm -hmm. not to like per se like the community but to yourself and just allowing yourself to take that time to reflect and making sure that you're staying true to who you are because the more you're able to be true to yourself it allows you to be true to other people and it gives us all freedom to be true to each other so we hope this episode has got you guys thinking about that and i definitely want to come back to this it was a good. It was a good conversation. It's
1: a great conversation. It Thank always... you, Michael, for facilitating. Yes, yes. Sure. facilitated Deacon
0: out. Mike. Facilitated Deacon <laughs> Mike. Yeah. Um.
1: What's the favorite part of your show?
0: This no, is... it's not the favorite part. Second favorite. Is it? okay I, I just said that because <laughs> this
1: is our take root and give back. Oh, I always think reading is good for the soul. Yeah, we always wrap it up. Jumping up, you have that. to save
0: the. I was
2: excited for, for reading, reading is good for
1: the soul as well. But
0: we have to acknowledge this week, and I'm gonna let Ashley go ahead and shout out our take root and give back for the week.
1: So our take boot and give back for the week is not a organization. It's a person. This person is Tony profit. He is the chief equality officer, CEO at Salesforce. Um, for all of you who don't know, Salesforce is a CRM, which is a customer relationship management tool. Mm-hmm. Instead of having basically software installed on your computer that manages like your customers or your clients for any business that you have, or even a nonprofit, um, it lives in the cloud. Now, mm-hmm. um, it's super innovative. However, it's, it's definitely a part of what Tony Profit talked to my students about this week, which is the fourth industrial revolution. And um, mm. he's amazing because not only is he a black man, um, a chief of a huge um, Fortune 500 company, um, he is unapologetically black. He spoke to students about that. Um As chief equality officer, it says that he focuses on um, Salesforce equality initiatives, focusing on gender, LGBTQ and racial issues, ensuring the company reflects the diversity and upholds the values of the community it serves. Um, He reports directly to the CEO and chairman, Mark Benioff, um, and Profit is a board member at College Track. So I'm shouting him out because, you know, there's a lot in terms of this correlation between him being chief equality officer and being on the board of an amazing nonprofit that I happen to work for and love. Um, But as a black man um, and as someone who, you know, really oversees this work at a tech company that is taking – taking the ranks in terms of the Fourth Industrial Revolution, in terms of where jobs will be held at for the next probably couple of decades. Um, I think it's amazing. Yes. Um, he talked about being a black man. He talked about, you know, also being in different environments and being comfortable being with who you are. And I think that is something important to, to recognize that mm. there are these people out here in the world who are doing well and doing good mm. um, and who care about their communities and other communities. And I think that he just goes to show Um, That he really does care Um, because being on a board of a nonprofit comes with a financial commitment. If you don't know Mm -hmm. Um, in addition to that also um, he oversees a lot of the workforce development that happens at Salesforce, which Mm -hmm. works with a really amazing nonprofit um, called Genesis Works, which takes youth who are transitional youth between 18 and 24 who may not be college ready or college going but gives them opportunities in terms of internships and job opportunities to work at Salesforce, which is going to secure. Secure jobs for the next couple of decades, which are really important in terms of economics and capitalism advantages in the United States. Um, so, just shout out to Tony Profit. Shout out to the work that he's doing. Shout out to uh, Salesforce. Also has a nonprofit side called Salesforce.org. Uh, Mark Bidioff, the founder of Salesforce, also has this like one 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 model where like one percent of revenue goes to charitable donations. One um, percent of their Employees' hours goes to volunteering. And this is really big because the idea behind it is as business grows, so does charitable donations grow. Amen. Um, So just shout out Tony Prophet, Amazing. If you all don't know him, look him up. Um, look up Salesforce. Um, connect with him on LinkedIn. Like, honestly, these are the type of people that we need in terms of as mentors Amen. and as representation um, to our community that all things are possible.
0: I love that. All things are possible to those who believe and also those who get the work done right and um it's interesting what a name like tony prophet that's a prophetic name yeah. like, you know, yeah. like profit oh my gosh and it's full circle because i know college track is working directly with salesforce and you're leading that up with the students who are working there currently this summer remember my introduction to Salesforce was actually at Groupon. <laughs> mm. Used to work on that that platform. They, hey, Salesforce—they do everything. everything. You can, man, your whole business is just getting done. I was on that Salesforce platform, like get, get it done, eat, eat, eat. <laughs> um, yes. yeah. Yes. Shout out Tony Profit. Clap it up for you for all the amazing work you're doing, and thank you Ashley for articulating that so well. You've just been articulate. You are Ashley articulate.
1: Austin, I've had a day yeah. yeah. to rest my brain. Triple A, triple she, A,
0: just get triple A with it, not the insurance. Even though she will, get she got your back like insurance. Yeah, <laughs> she do. Ashley do. Hey, triple A, not do. I'ma change your name in my phone to Triple A. <laughs> is that a double A, you see double A, because my last name is. I Austin, do. I have the well. double A with the star and the little trophy because you're a champion to me. <laughs> she is a champion. Yeah, I gotta change your name in my phone to Deacon Mike. To Deacon. People Mike. who are close in my like, you know, friend circle, my family circle. They get nicknames. Michael, currently you're Michael Waller, but we're close. We're peoples. We're I family. Change Michael's name too. In my home. So I'm gonna change you uh-huh. to Deacon Mike after tonight. This is a celebration.
2: This is a celebration. <laughs> I made it, y'all. <laughs> Forget being professional or CEO. I don't care about none of that no more. I'm Deacon Mike and Aisha Phone. Yeah, it's definitely I made it.
0: not professional in my phone. All of my close people got nicknames. Like, anybody look at my phone, they're like, who is Killer B? That's Asia. Who's number two? That's Ariel. It's There's there's jokes behind it. There's things behind it. But the people know me. They know what it's about. So, yeah. But That's funny. If you got the first and last name, then we just... We, ain't, we, ain't we just associate. <laughs> basically I'm just saying I just graduated
2: <laughs> for sure
0: alright now it's time is it,
1: is it your guys' favorite part of the show?
2: It is my favorite part of the show. Do you know that? Y'all don't know. I that?
1: don't think it's my favorite part of the show, but that's okay. <laughs> is your favorite part the seed of the day? I think mine is the seed of the day, okay. yes. Okay. Okay. And probably the quotes, because I'm somebody who likes short oh, and concise. Um, short on. and concise wording, and so I feel like it fits with my my work style. I don't have a quote yet. It's okay. okay. Well let's focus on the um the reading reading is, is good, good for the soul. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It is good for the soil, aka your mind. It is good for your soul. Yes. Just let your soul blow. Just seek it shine. What movie is that, y'all? I don't know. Don't get me oh started.
2: Uh oh. Uh-oh.
0: Oh my God. You guys don't know this. I kind of know. I feel like I'm just let it shine through. <laughs> just let your soul. Oh my
2: what is it?
1: God. Coming to America?
2: Oh. Dang, I should know that.
1: It, have you seen Coming yeah, to America? Yeah, I have. Okay. I knew that. I knew that, but I couldn't like. I was kept thinking like, where? How can I place that right now? You know but Coming yes. to America. I the do, height I
0: definitely do. It. Yeah, yeah.
1: So we're gonna have a movie
0: night, and we're gonna we're gonna replay these movies just so they're more embedded into your soul. It's okay.
1: Mm-hmm. I got a week off, and I am going to watch the movies. Right. Yeah, no,
2: I ain't gonna lie. I just I just don't like. I watch movies. I watch TV, but I that is like the one point in my life where I do things mindlessly. So like, <laughs> that's like the only time that I'm really not thinking and breaking down everything I can. Yeah. So like, I'm one of those people that will watch movies, but I don't know the names of actors. Um, I don't know, mm-hmm. like I just don't be, you know, I watch it, but.
0: It's probably the writer in me. And also it's funny oh, cause yeah. as like, now as an adult, I don't watch as many films as I used to. I'm trying to get back into that. Um, but I, I I have a
1: problem. you she hasn't seen Insecure. And even Obama watches Insecure. I know. I know. I need to. I
0: watch Awkward Black Girl. I'm an Issa Rae fan, though, still and true. But I don't know if it's a problem. But I typically, with movies that I like, I will go through like this phase where I'll watch it over and over and over and over again. Mm. So I can quote. And then sometimes if I really like a movie, I'll look it up. Like, when it was shot, who directed it, who wrote it, who was in it, the budget, all the different things. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. So Yeah. But anyway, I digress. Let's get into reading. It's good for the soul. You're going to rap on you. What you know about that? Yes, we read all the time. Yes, I did. Spend my mind. Get it. Get it. Go. Go. Who's going first?
2: I'll go first. All right. Um, uh, so happy that I just finished this book and um, happy to share it today. The book that I'm going to highlight today is entitled "Steve Jobs." It's by Walter Isaacson. Oh, he was talking about this. Yes, it's uh, Steve Jobs' biography. Of Walter I- Isaacson, um, like, worked really, really closely with Steve Jobs to write this book, and was very clear to Steve and to himself that he was going to do all the research to get like a really holistic view about Mm. Steve Jobs, which he did, um, both the very positive things about him and also the negative things about him as a man and as a father and et cetera, et cetera. Um, although this man was not black and he... Never would have had to go through, you know, some of the things that we have to go through in our community. This is someone who was on un- unauthentically himself mm. with the goods and the bads okay. and um, probably created the biggest shift in our culture in the last 10 or so years in the Apple organization just in terms of um, the amount of industries he altered from music to cellular phones to computers, um, movies. He did so much um, like real serious change through his, his company, Apple, that, that he created, lost, and got back and uh, mm. revived, right? And he did this all
0: mm.
2: while being both a great visionary... And a real asshole, um, and you know, although that he wasn't, you know, the the greatest man in the world, some people really, really don't like him, and understandably, um, he he was himself, and he and he brought himself to every environment, and he was very successful doing so. So even though he doesn't have to face the same issues that we have to face, I still can find inspiration in that he was who he was, and um, made a complete shift in society by doing so
0: oh and that's a thick book y'all that's like a bible looking book over there that's like what 400 plus pages i
2: think it was uh 679
0: god damn god yeah damn
2: damn
1: (laughs) you're so (laughs) choppy
0: thank you michael i definitely I want to read that one day. I can't say I'll read it sometime soon, but I definitely want to take the time to read his story. And the right. way you just broke it down just intrigued me even more. Right. And true biographies and autobiographies typically need to be that long. There's a lot to say. Right. Can you imagine if somebody wrote a biography about us? <laughs> well.
2: And even on a and even on a greater level than uh, just Steve Jobs, in general, <laughs> um, so many of us in this world use Apple products, and this is like a good window into the background of. The passion behind the Apple products that we use. Does he Um, talk
0: about the name, like how they came up with the name Apple? It could have been an orange. It could have been a pineapple. Look at my pineapple earrings.
2: Yes, he talks about the name. Um, It literally goes, (laughs) it goes from high uh, jobs, like in um, his his childhood, to jobs at his death. Um, And so, literally, it it covers the entire spectrum. It covers um, the creation of Apple. It covers his. journey through college and dropping out of college it, it covers everything about his life um, oh. but in it is a lot about Apple as well
0: really good Steve Jobs quote that I remember I posted a long time ago on Facebook but if I can find it but in any case, thank you Michael for um, highlighting his book I guess I'll go next um, I'll go ahead I got two books because on our weekly blog it really bothers me when there's only three just doesn't look even mm. so when Damon's is not here i just make sure to bring two <laughs> but uh the first book that i want to highlight is the spook who sat by the door by sam greenlee um it's a fictional story about dan freeman who is a cia agent a black man who works for the cia and he gets in he finds out all the inner workings of the systems how they do things how things are set up only just to use all of their protocol against them. So I thought to acknowledge this book because it's very entertaining. It's very insightful. And it's also it also makes you think as a person of color, as a black person, about how you're infiltrating these different systems as you're going into these different professional environments, how to let the system work for you and not have the system work against you. So I read right. it in grad school. And I actually want to read it again. I think we should read it as a podcast. We need to like set a goal on a book that we can all read and then maybe do an episode on it. So we need to do that soon. But yeah, so the spook who sat by the door. And also, I had no idea until this past weekend, there's a film that was based on this book. Um, And the SOMA um, Museum in San Francisco, they're doing a whole black film series Mm. um, the month of July. Um, Maybe we should all go. They got some great films being played. um, And they're going to be highlighting this film. And I've never seen the film. Mm. So, yeah. The Spook Who Sat by the Door by Sam Greenlee. And then also, my second book is The Celestine Prophecy, An Adventure by James Redfield. I read this last summer. Um, and I thought about this book because I'm about to go on some adventures these next two weeks. I'm going to Hawaii. Shout out to Catherine and Aaron Story, who are getting married on July 11th um, in Maui. And then I'll be going to DC um, for a family reunion. And so I just thought about the whole aspect of adventure and traveling and how when you allow yourself to step outside of where you're from, the different things you discover in a physical place, but also the different things you discover in a spiritual and a mental space and this book itself is about a young man who goes on this spiritual journey to this area in Peru to discover these ancient ruins and all like this spiritual like different um, manifestations and history and all these things that have been covered that are in reference like to the meaning of life so it was like a spiritual slash, slash physical journey mm. i had a really good time reading it and i read it last summer and i really want to read it again and i'm also really inspired because he is a self-published author and i know right now since i'm going on my own personal journey of self-publishing my own plays it's really cool to like read the journey of others um, and this is just an awesome book, and I think it was a fun read. So, yes, The Celestine Prophecy by James Redfield and The Spook Who Sat By the Door, which is interesting. I can't find it. I know it's in my book collection, but it kind of ran off.
2: It's all right. I found it in mine for you. I oh. just left it at home because I decided to <laughs> read Steve Jobs instead of that one today. I looked at it too.
1: <laughs> Go ahead, Ashley. Um, so mine was a book that someone shared with me this week in terms of, you know, I should definitely buy it and have it in College Track um, as a space for students. But the book is called Children of Blood and Bone. It is by Tomi Adeyemi. And I'm probably saying that last name wrong. It's a Nigerian um, author. And from the way the person described me, it's going to be the next Harry Potter of, like, black mm. books. And... Um, it just came out this year in March. Uh, I definitely want to get it for our students. I probably will get it on audiobook, um, but it is available on ebook and in hardcover. It looks like it will be available on hard copy soon. But Children of the Blood and Bone, it is a um, fiction book for teens and young adults. And it looks like it's extremely interesting. And the fact that it's a Black author, you know, we have to support our Black authors out there, but we also got to support fiction books as well
0: maybe that could be the book that we read as a podcast because I'm definitely into fiction nonfiction, and fantasy and that sounds very interesting and like it's funny you mentioned this book because right now I saw on TV like USA has been promoting like this whole network event of Harry Potter I have not read or seen any of the Harry Potters and wow. I'm kind of like yeah and I'm kind of like I need to do this just so I can have an opinion on it but I haven't have you guys
1: um, as a child I was in I watched grade. Them. Did you did you read them
2: no I wasn't I don't a have them Oh yeah
1: but I know I understand the Harry Potter references. I really loved Harry Potter growing up in elementary school. Um, Dang, elementary school! Yeah. I was like middle school. High school. I was like fourth <laughs> grade. I was like fourth grade. Okay, but you guys have seen the films, so you like them.
0: Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, the films is cool.
0: Okay. Well, let's definitely support this black author. And um, let's see what it's about. We can come to an agreement, because I think we should do that.
2: Like I ain't like going to lie. We got like a long list of books that we're going to read as I a know, podcast. Know. <laughs> we st- OK,
0: we need to start one. Let's make that. I'm going to send out a doodle. <laughs> I'm going to send out a doodle this
1: week. <laughs> I'm not checking email this week. Don't oh, okay, text me this right. week. I'm, I don't live on Earth this week.
0: Um, <laughs> after vacation and stuff, so after the 16th, I'll send the doodle. But yes, that is reading is good for the soil. Your mind, the soul, all the great things. We've got some great books for you guys to check out this week. But yes, it is time that we come to the end of the show. It's not our last show, but it is the end of this show. If you are not, you should be following us on Instagram. You should have liked us on Facebook. You should leave us a review on iTunes. Do you yes. like my voice that I'm doing right now? I think because we were talking about Harry Potter, and now I want to talk in a British accent.
1: That's hilarious, as I'm thinking about Popeyes and fried chicken. <laughs> after the
0: Damn, show. you thinking about
2: Popeyes,
1: too? Me, too. Oh, we Mike is treating tonight. Enough. And we want a Popeye? Oh, Mike. I had
0: a big burrito before coming here. Can I do it? Can yes. I do it? When I was running the lake this morning, I was feeling New Orleans. Y'all told y'all that. Like, all the Mighty Gras yeah. pasta was coming off. Like,
2: we... <laughs> Popeyes is bringing New Orleans to San Francisco.
0: Ah! Oh. We about to let you still live, uh,
2: live your best life.
1: Oh quote of God. the week with that, with that, <laughs> one. With that oh. one. We gonna
2: have you
0: live your best life tonight. Oh my uh. God. We live our best life every night. Yes. Yes. Okay.
1: <laughs> so um. I can kick us off with the quote. Yeah. Oh, I'm feeling good about the quote. Okay. Um. So Aisha, correct me because I always say this but This is one of your favorite authors, Paulo... Calejo. Calejo. Um says, do something instead of killing time, because time is killing you.
0: Oh, he just posted on his Instagram, huh? You know I follow him. I like that. <laughs> I do, too. I like that. It
1: is true, cool because as time, we're getting older every single minute, every single second. Mm. So don't let time, just don't kill time. Like, utilize it, because if not, time is killing you.
0: I like that. Thank mm. you. Um, so I'm going to throw it back. Throw it back. I remember I saw this on... A door in the theater department at San Diego State. It did not state who this was by, but I carried it with me. And the quote is, those who say it can't be done need to get out of the way of those who are actually doing it. Mm. Um, and so with this whole conversation about being true to who we are and not placing limits on ourselves... You're going to come across naysayers. You're going to come across people who say, why? Say, why not? When people say no, say yes. There's going to be people that are going to say, don't do that. It does not matter. Just get it done. So I love that quote because to me, it really embodies the fact that like people may say no, but as long as you're getting it done, then it will happen. So yes, that's my quote for the week.
2: That was a dope quote. Uh, My quote of the week is from Harriet Tubman. Always remember... You have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars and change the world. And then it goes on to say, strength, patience, and passion are not reserved for the lucky or for heroes and saints. Each of us has the seeds of these qualities within. The question is how to inspire them, how to evoke them, how to remove the obstacles to their expression. Think about the future you want to create.
0: Oh my god can you like send that to all of us that's so dope I love that ending part too in terms of like the question is how to like ignite that Mm -hmm. that's dope if y'all don't feel empowered y'all better get empowered right now cause I know there's a lot going on in this world but we really have more power than what we give ourselves we don't have to succumb to what's out there. We can rise above it, and we can really make it better than what it needs to be because people before us, like Harriet Tubman, who was running barefoot mm-hmm. to freedom.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean? Like, for real. Like we could... She had no excuse what's ours. I'm empowered. It may be the wine, but I'm empowered.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> God. Lord. We are the Seed You Soul Podcast. Thanks for tuning in with us, guys. You can check us out every Sunday. We tune in live around like 7 o'clock. Starting in September, we're going to tune in at 1130. But we hope you enjoyed the show. Have a blessed week, and we'll holla at you soon. Peace.
2: Peace.